Afternoon version World Hockey Report coming to you live Zingo TV channel 761 12 ounce sports. What is up? Cody Jansen joined alongside Adam Urban Trout today on 12 ounce sports show brought to you by mybookie.ag. You guys already know that though. Mybookie.ag they'll match your deposit up to $1,000 when you use promo code 120Z Sports. That easy. 12OZ Sports, all caps, no spaces on mybookie.ag. And we got a lot to get to. So much hockey talk. We got a big guest list lined up for next week already. We'll announce that later on in the show. But hey, to kick it off, we're going to talk some Game 3 recap. Then I got a couple other thoughts as well. We got trade talk and we got buyouts, NHL news galore. That's going to come up around 320, 340, Game 4, and also a little Game 5 preview. That one's coming up probably around 3.40 or so. Let's bring on the big man, Adam himself, because one of the hot topics this week, and I would say, honestly, it was probably the biggest social media issue that at least the social justice warriors wanted to fight about was the NHL's price-to-pay video. And, I mean, doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on exactly, but, Adam, I mean, come on. Give me your thoughts on that, because... <laughs> Is it is it that outrageous that the NHL is I'm not even gonna say glorifying, but you know, making light of, you know, you need to block shots if you want to win in the playoffs. I didn't think they did anything wrong. I think it was more so people are just freaking out about, oh, you shouldn't want to get injured. You know, I mean that's all part of winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah, like the best uh photos post Stanley Cup are usually with guys like black eyes or missing teeth or something like that um i i can kind of see why they took it down like it's the photo for the video was like matt barzell with stitches near his eye like almost went blind basically but yeah i I don't know it's it's they had to take it down i can see why maybe a couple years ago they would have left it but now it's like a 2020 what a time and i i agree i see how you can think it might be gruesome or gruel with you know whatever i i don't think there was there really any like that's sk- hockey, though. yeah that's i mean that's that's hockey that's the game we love that's the game you know a lot of us were lucky enough to play and you know a lot of us you know are lucky enough to make a living covering it writing about it why like why is why are people trying to shoot it in the foot? Why are people trying to find the bad in everything? That's the problem, is everyone just wants to nitpick and everyone wants to you know, be the center of attention and that's where we have problems. That's why you've got idiots voting Adam Fox as your Calder Trophy winner. That's why you've got idiots trying to get attention by not picking Leon Dreisel in their top five. Like, everything people do nowadays 
and it's not even just to get attention at this point. It's literally just to like stir up controversy to, you know, be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I did something good today. I don't know. It just comes to a certain point where it's sickening and it just gets old. Yeah, it does. But as we said, you know, that's, that's hockey and that's kind of the, the way the Stanley Cup has always been presented. It's the hardest trophy in sports to win for a reason. Like you don't see basketball guys with black eyes or anything no if you're offended by uh blocking shots or taking a couple of cross checks in the teeth hockey probably is not the sport for you i'll tell you who that sport is for though steven Stamkos. holy comes back only played like 247 whatever had a snipe and i get it who dovens off his angle but as soon as steven Stamkos was in the lineup he was instantly, okay, go live, bet Tampa. It's just that effect of getting a guy back after six months, whatever, 200 days, injecting him into the lineup. You just knew that they were going to be buzzing. You know, you knew they were going to win. There was no stopping him. And although Dallas did have some of that momentum, a couple of stupid plays by defensemen cost them. Tampa capitalizes. That's game three. I mean, that's a simple breakdown. I want to get your thoughts on Hudobin, though. Because I still think that although Kucherov's breakaway shot, sure, that's a nice shot, savable goal. Stamkos' shot, he's off his angle. You know, a couple of rebounds, a couple of soft goals. You're, you're not going to win with an 850 save percentage in the Stanley Cup Finals. No, you're not. And what was it against Vegas or Colorado? He, like, was hunched over in the net and he left the game for a bit because he was pretty much, like, winded or something like that. <laughs> and I don't know. I think that's always kind of been his MO. That's probably the reason he hasn't turned into the number one workhorse is because he just can't do it. And, I mean, he's done it for almost three months now. But for him, like, it's – and it's a tough task. Like, you're going up against what everybody's picking to be the cup favorite from basically when they were swept last year against Columbus. So it's a tough test for him. Uh, Lord knows what's going on with Ben Bishop right now, but <laughs> – I don't know. It's it sucks for him because he's played really well, but like obviously he's not a number one. And Vasilevsky's played every second for Tampa, and he still looks pretty much as good as he has. He's still, and I get it. Everyone wants to be like, "Oh my, how are they calling him shaky? He only allowed two. He still hasn't looked perfect. He's still a beatable goaltender by all means. I do truly believe that. I think Dallas's big guns opted out of Game 3. They were irrelevant. They didn't show up. The only time I noticed J- Jamie Benn was when he was, took a penalty at the end there. He got a 10-minute misconduct. Like, that's the most heated in the game. Jason Dickinson scores on a muffin on, like, a shorty top of the circles. Just goes blocker side high. That's not a goal that should be allowed in the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, that's what it takes, but, again... Dallas just didn't have it. They just didn't feel or didn't look right. And at the end of the day, Tampa capitalized on their chances. They made them pay. Dallas can't be sitting in the penalty box. And I would say a huge game breaker, in my opinion, is the headman slash on Guryanov on a breakaway. And, and, and here's what really pisses me off, because do I think it's truly a slashing penalty? Probably not. But since it's been called a slashing penalty every single round of the playoffs up until this point, why now? Why now is it all of a sudden 
Not like there was way softer calls made on on breakaways where you know a guy might get a little hook or a love tap, and it wasn't called or it was called. Pardon me. At the start of the playoffs, now you get Headman with a two hand coming down across the stick, lower hands of Garyanov clearly affects the you know he can't even get a shot off on a breakaway, and they're not going to call that. That's my issue, is the NHL refing is inconsistent, as it usually is, but something like that, I mean, come on, it's been called since we've returned to play. Yeah, uh, I don't know, It's and it's so weird, everybody goes, yeah, like, the, the whistles get put away in the playoffs and stuff like that, it's like, I get that the game's harder, but... At the start, do you remember how many like ticky tack slashing calls there were and stuff that's like what that? I'm, like, that's what I'm it meaning. was ridiculous. That's what I don't get, and I and I get it. It wasn't like a, a, a visibly aggressive slash. Like he wasn't going to get hurt, but you clearly took away his scoring chance with the slashing motion. And what also pisses me off is that like clearly he loses control of the puck. But you know if he uses a seventy five flex stick, it breaks in half. He probably gets a penalty shot. Like. I, I don't know that I, I don't understand refs and I, I never <laughs> I don't think I ever will understand refs but that stuff is just wild and then it comes to that whole uh, you know the net comes off and they let them play Adam I gotta get your thoughts on this because I've argued with 70 million people and I mean I, I yeah I, I mean the, I, I had a couple of arguments on Twitter I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna hide it but if that net comes off it doesn't matter who knocks it off. You have to blow it down, do you not? Because and I, I used a perfect video as an example. If, if, if they have possession, what happens if that puck gets passed back to the D-man and it goes in their own net? Like, it's happened, pretty much happens like once or twice a year now at this point. Like, what happens if Tampa Bay does that Stanley Cup Finals, game number three, game changer? I, I don't know if it was 2-1 at the point or not, but let's say it's 2-1 and that goes where the net would be on, how are we even playing hockey at this point if there's not two nets on the ice? You, you blow it down or you don't. You can't let them play without it. It's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, it is. And like, I think the only time that really that they'll, they won't blow it down is if the play's going back the other way and they can kind of put it, I guess, back. But even then, like the net's not really on properly. But just go back to the rest for a second. Like, I saw there was like a cross check last game too, where like a guy like bumped into another. It's cross check, but regardless if the refs are bad or not, Dallas needs to find a way not to be shorthanded for six or eight minutes in the first period because that's <laughs> I think two straight games where they basically just spotted leads and made a mistake early on, and Radulov's taking bad penalties, and they just they just haven't really been able to play five on five, and like when they have been five on five, they've held their own. Dallas has never been a team to come from behind. I, I know they had a couple of come from behind victories against the Flames and such, but like they're more of a team that is get a lead and lock it down. That's how they play. So for them to be spotting a team like Tampa a couple of goals, do I think they've got a chance to come back? Well, of course. But you're not going to do it when Tyler Sagan's irrelevant, when Jamie Benn's sitting in the penalty box, and when Joe Pavelski is standing in front of the net, but no one's going to shoot the puck. You know, they, they kind of have to put it all together. They're, they're definitely not the most opportunistic team, but everyone knows what they need to do. Their defense are efficient. They got to get pucks towards the net. They got to get traffic in front, and that's how they're going to succeed. If they're not going to do that, 
They're, they're not going to win. You're hardly going to beat Vasilevsky coming down the wing and just letting a normal shot go. He's too good of a goaltender for that. But start putting traffic in front of him, start banging away at some rebounds, get in front of his eyes, and Dallas has a chance once again. But as you said, you know, you get down two or three against Tampa, good luck. Not going to happen. Not in the cup finals. Yeah, Tampa's not Calgary. Not at all. That's that's a tale of two worlds right there. Adam, I mean we've we've watched enough hockey up until this point, and I want to get your your thoughts on a play that happened in the third period where Dallas is down or no, yeah, they're down five two, ten minutes left. Andre Sekera, Sekera, whatever you want to call him, gets the puck up top at the blue line, perfect switch with his defense partner, walks into one. And like, I mean, he was down by the hash marks. Great opportunity, misses the net by three feet. And that, like, he had Vasilevsky moving. It really felt like an opportunity where a Miro Haskin in, a John Klingberg, Jamie Oleksiak, he's got five tucks in the playoffs, how are you? Like, anyone but Sekiro on that chance, if they score on that now, it's a two-goal game. Like, they're they're on two-goal run there. That would have changed it, in my opinion. Two goals, you're still in a hockey game. Dallas doesn't care if they got to play six, five games. But, I mean, I don't want to put it on Sekiro, but, like, holy, was that a game-changer, in my opinion. They had some momentum. Yeah, they, they did there. I mean, that goal, you know, you get it within two and you say, okay, because like the difference between two and three seems monumental. But Huge. Also, at the same time, if you're if you're Tampa, you, you should be aware of who's on the ice and are you really covering the point for Andre Secker <laughs> as you would for John Klingberg or Haskinen? Probably not. So, I mean, that's the Secker special. I mean, watching him all those years with the Oilers, he fired into a shin pad usually so at least he got it past there what do you do if you're rick bonus and tyler sagan has been struggling i don't know like he's on a milk carton if i've ever seen someone there but like man he's had a couple of chances he can't buy one I don't know, like, you know, is he gripping the stick too tight? Is he not trying hard enough? Who knows at this point, is he injured? But, like, what do you do with him? He's been a liability out there. He's turning the puck over. He's not scoring. And, I mean, frankly, he's starting to weigh him down. Yeah, uh, well, even if he was injured, and maybe that's the case, but a lot of guys are injured, and Sam goes clearly is injured, and he scored last game. But... Like, he's forcing so many things right now. Like, even on the power play, he's been useless. And, like, he's taken a one-timer when there's nobody in front of the net. He's trying to force a play on the breakout through three guys. It's going back the other way. And, like, that has nothing to do with injury. That's your own brain telling you to do those things. And clearly his confidence is shot. Maybe being in the bubble is getting to him is what people have also suggested. And also, like, I... Brian Burke said this, like he respects his ability to go down and forecheck and hit a guy and, and play good two-way hockey. I guess it's just one way defensively at this point, but like at 9.8 million bucks or whatever he's getting paid, you could find a guy a hell of a lot cheaper to p- play defensive hockey. Like you get Derek Ryan to do the same thing for 3 million bucks and get a winger who can score for six, but he's been, he's been horrible and like I, you don't want to hope a guy's injured, but like for his sake and getting out of this, you hope he's there's something wrong. But even then, like it's still not affecting. 
it shouldn't be affecting his ability to make a play. No kidding. I mean, I, okay, I, I got to go back to this one because sends out our comments and says, hey, the play won't be blown out. This is on the net coming off. The play won't be blown dead until the opposing team touches the puck. Simple. It's not simple, and that's what I've been explaining with idiots for, like, you know, the past 48 hours. What happens if Tampa ends up putting that back in their own where the net should be? That's that. You, how do you not count that as a goal? And that's that's my issue with it is that it's happened before, and now you run the risk of having that happen in the Stanley Cup Final. It would, it, you know, it would be such a black eye on the league if a play like that took place because it would be absolutely embarrassing for the game of hockey. And I, I don't know, I, it's just stupid. And no linesman even goes to fix the net. So I don't know. Any last thoughts on uh, Game Three there, Adam? Uh, no, I, like we'll get to game four. Yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll get to game four later. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, we'll, we'll take a break. We'll step aside here. We're gonna come back. We got a lot of NHL news. Actually, a lot of trade talk going on. Bobby Ryan bought out. That was a shocker. We're gonna get to this one. It's World Hockey Report Live, twelve ounce Sports Zingo TV. Cody Jans and Adam Erman Trout with you here. It's a great Friday on World Hockey Report. World Hockey Report Live. Cody Jansen with you here. It is Friday. What's up? September 25th, coming to you from the Great White North Show, brought to you by Coco Vodka, Coco Rum. You guys already know what it is. They are our official drink of the Stanley Cup Finals, and they are legit. This stuff, I'm telling you, unbelievable, refreshingly different. Coco Vodka and Rum combines real natural coconut water from the Philippines, triple distilled vodka, smooth Puerto Rican white rum, and a splash of sparkling water. Coco Vodka and Rum started by two Canadians with a plan. Come up with a healthier summer drink that's made with quality ingredients. Ditch those bland seltzer waters that no one actually likes and opt to that beer bloat. Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, absolutely a vacation in a can. Coco Vodka and Rum, available at BSW Liquor in Sherwood Park in Calgary. Great Canadian liquor stores in Alberta, Calgary co-op locations, and even right here in the fort. And Econo Liquor, what's up? Nice little shout-out for those guys right across the street. Don't forget, order online, enjoycoco.com. Enjoy the Coco Life with the World Hockey Report. Go pick yourself up a case today. Check them out, enjoycoco.com. That's enjoycoco.com. NHL News Trade Talk we got to get to it because, oh, it has been busy. Corey Perry, not Corey Perry, Bobby Ryan, what am I saying? Bobby Ryan got bought out. That was the news of the day right there. I get it, the Jeff Petrie deal. We're going to dive into that. I got to get your thoughts, Adam. I mean, Bobby Ryan, the Ottawa Senators, just when you think that that organization can't stoop any lower, other than, you know, just basically saying, hey, You've been the best goalie ever, Craig Anderson. Now please leave and sign with someone else. They just go and buy out the Masterton winner. I don't know. What was your thoughts when you saw it? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of shitty of Ottawa. Like, I can maybe see why they did it. Just we, our money is going to these kids or that place. We want to open up a spot for a guy like maybe Drake Batherson or Josh Norris or something like that. Uh and then whoever the, whatever two guys they select in the top five who might be on their team. Um, but also at the same time, it's like, where, like, did you really have to buy out a guy just to save a couple bucks this year? Like, when in two years it's done and it's not like you're using the cap space on anything. So, a little weird. Obviously, he's he went through a lot the, the last couple of years in Ottawa, but 
still a really, really good player, I think. Like a good, he could play second, third line, second unit power play. Uh, you accidentally said Corey Perry, but that's with reason, just <laughs> because Perry got bought out after by Anaheim, and then he signed a one-year, one-and-a-half-million-dollar deal, but basically it was like a one-year, three-million-dollar deal with games played bonuses, like 250 grand at 10, 20, 30, 40 games, 250 grand for playoffs, and then... 150 for the Stanley Cup so I could see him signing that type of deal with a contender just seeing where he wants to go he's a kind of like a Philly area New Jersey guy so maybe there's room on the Flyers for him I don't know where he really fits into as a you know ideally a third line guy I'd say right like I don't think you really see him on your fourth line if you're a championship team but I would say he's a solid third line guy and so who is, you know, who could use a guy like that? If I'm being honest, Anaheim should be knocking. Anaheim should be using a guy of leadership like that. They could easily use a depth forward, someone with skill, you know, bring them back to California. That, that, that just seems like a logical spot if you ask me. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe in L.A. Yeah, like, I, I get it. Like, you probably want to be on a contender. But what contender... Like, l- l- let's look. The Isles? I don't see it happen. He ain't playing for Lou. The Flyers? Nope. Not in that forward lineup. Uh, Tampa, Boston... I don't know. Maybe Boston finds a way? Yeah, Boston needs help on the right side. They're talking about yeah. potentially Chase on there. Like, I could, I could see it. Like, let's... A couple of years ago, when the Sens went to the playoffs, he was absolutely dynamite. Oh, no, he's still, I mean, unbelievable forward. Like, you know, what, he get a hat-trick in his game back? Like, this guy's got a yeah, scoring he touch. 42 he's, points last year. Yeah, like, he's, he's got a draw. Ottawa think that their leaders are going to be other than Ron Hainsey this year? Like, they don't, like, they're letting it go. Borbieski, who seemed to be the only one who hadn't any idea what the owner was doing. And then <laughs> Craig Anderson. Good guy, by the now, way. Bobby Ryan, too. Good guy, by the way. But yet again, like I, I Borowacki, I mean, yeah. There, there's not enough good things you can say about him as a person, as a leader. Player on the ice, probably not your go-to guy. The Sens are just the biggest dumpster fire in the league. Like, it's an absolute joke at this point. I mean, their fans don't even like it. They can't sell out a playoff game. They can't spend to the cap. They can't keep players there. Players don't want to be there. At this point, I mean, Eugene Melnick's just making a fool of himself. Like, I totally understand not wanting to pay Bobby Ryan $7.5 million for what he's going to bring to your team this year. But after this guy got you so much attention for winning a Masterton trophy where everyone's going, wow, that was pretty cool of Ottawa to bring this guy back, let him get help, you know, let him get things sorted out. I, I, I just don't even understand Ottawa at this point. Like, whatever, enjoy your 2D logo, you idiots. Yeah, they. I, I'm confused with them, and obviously, they, the team that I saw a tweet it was like, if you win an award with the Senators, you're getting dished, like Carlson with the Norris, <laughs> Paul McLean with the Jack Adams, and now Bobby Ryan. Uh, but yeah, they they need to turn it around. Like, and I mean, if they wanted to spend money, like they could at least be somewhat competitive next year and not be a complete joke. And they could bring in a lot of guys with all the cap space they have, but they just seem keen on locking in to their young guys and they signed that Colin White deal and it was a really rough year for him honestly and I don't know like 
they gave a guy, what, $25 million. He had seven goals this year, so maybe need to, to hold up there. Like, Brady Kachuk's going to get a big number. Um, we'll see with them. Like, nobody really knows for a couple of years with that team. Yeah, they've got some good pieces, but yet again, I, I, it's a dumpster fire. They're never going to win a cup. It's just not going to happen in Ottawa. You know, that's just shooting it straight. we got to move on, though. we got to talk out there. Uh, let's, let's talk about the, the Skivier-Matheson for Hornquist trade. Um, I mean, Hornquist, some nice little shade there, pretty much said, hey, as soon as I heard that Pittsburgh didn't want me, I was totally happy to go to Florida. I don't know if that's the truth or not, but also, like, why, why does Pittsburgh want to eat a guy like Matheson's contract? Why on earth do they feel like that's a move you should be making? when you still have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin in your lineup. Yeah, and like, I mean, Matheson, his career high in points is 27 in 2018, and then last year he's a minus 24. This year he played 59 games, had 20 points, and I think some of those games are at four, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, <laughs> Who knows? I, I really don't understand it from Pittsburgh's standpoint at all. Like, now they got... Dumoulin, Pedersen, Jack Johnson, who everyone despises there, uh, and now Mike Matheson, too. And to give up a guy like Hornfist, I know he was he's getting a little older and stuff, but like that's a guy who seemed to do a lot for that team. And, I mean, they bring in Kapanen, who's maybe a little faster straight ahead, but Kapanen proved in Toronto he can really play with the top guys. And Hornfist is showing in Pittsburgh clearly that he can, and I really like this deal for Florida because, one, they moved a contract that was considered unmovable, and, two, they, Quenville thought they got pushed around last year, and they get a guy who can really play with anyone in, in a top six or top nine role, and he's got some bite to his game, so I think it'll make the Panthers a better team. I would really like to know what people think of this trade because, from my perspective, it just it, it makes no sense. So I don't know. Are other people seeing what I'm not, or how is this going to even work out for Pittsburgh? Like, what's the point of eating some of these contracts, bringing in all right players, and like unless they got something bigger in the works? I just don't see it happening. Another rumor though that you know was kind of getting thrown out on social media. Mark Andre Fleury. I know Alan Walsh isn't going to admit that he wants a trade, but you know. Alan Walsh will probably just post a meme about it a couple months down the road. Could you see Pittsburgh bringing back Flurry for the remainder of his contract, letting him ride off into the sunset? Is that something? And I know Pittsburgh's got this, you know, self-proclaimed salary cap, but are they kind of at the point where they're just like, you know what, let's be competitive. Maybe we bring back Flurry to try and draw in some more fans and we let him ride off into the sunset, win or lose. Get rid of Matt Murray too. That's 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 also the second yeah, I think part of that. That's a, or he's pretty much out the door, anyways. Um, I think Flurry only in a in a buyout scenario, a hundred percent. I think Pittsburgh is where he would go back to. Uh, his comments yesterday to Jesse Granger of the Athletic were interesting. Where he said, "I want to end my career here," and then he said, "I wanted to end my career here." So it was like it kind of seemed like he was talking a little past tense. Um, Vegas has to do something to make that contract disappear, I guess. Um, or they, they, they'd have to eat money or something. I, I'm not sure. But Flurry back to Pittsburgh would make sense. It, it'd actually be a great tandem with him and Tristan Jerry. But then you have Casey DeSmith, who you're paying like 1.12 to play in the minors, right? 
Yeah, but you're not going to go with DeSmith and Jari as your goaltending tandem. Like, if you're going to do that, and I get it, Jari's an all-star, whatever. They didn't trust him enough to play him in playoffs, Adam. Like, this is a guy who, and I get it, he might be an all-right NHL goaltender. He's not going to win you a cup, and he's not going to win you that many NHL playoff series. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, but I... I think Rutherford sees it happening where he said something like, yeah, Matt Murray's gone and we like Casey DeSmith in a backup role. So I think you do the math and that's who they're going with for whether it's right or wrong. But I, I don't know. Clearly they, they wanted Murray to prove something to them in that little play-in series against Montreal and he didn't even last the series. That's fair. That's fair. Um, move it along. Craig Anderson, I mean, if he signs, give me a team who you think could use him in his, you know, leadership roles. And I get it. Everyone wants to rip on him for his past three years. Sure, he hasn't been amazing, but he's played on the worst team in the NHL. And he's still posted above 900 save percentage. That's more than a lot of goalies have. And I mean, we're still talking about some of those sub 900 goaltenders making millions in upcoming years. So I don't know. I still think Craig Anderson has a little bit of leadership to offer. And I still think that he could work out in the right situation. I'm just not exactly sure where yet. Uh, I don't know. I think like a team like the Islanders, who's going to lose Grice, the Devils who would need a veteran backup for Blackwood or. You just took it right there. That that was mine. That's mine. It's New Jersey and it's for Blackwood. I guess uh, yeah I don't know I think also the the Islanders to me and this was rumored a couple of years ago if Lundqvist gets bought out do you not think he signs there no because they've got Sorokin and Varlamov right right well, yeah yeah I don't know I just couldn't see him really leaving but yeah I think the Devils probably like he's not going to like a contending team to play 30 games no if Lundqvist gets bought out he's done I don't see that. And like and it's not to say that he can't play anymore, but like he when you spend your whole career with one team, like there has to be some part of you that's like, you know what, screw it. I'm just gonna retire a Rangers legend. I'm just gonna call it. That's good. I don't see him being like, Oh, I really wanna go back up anti Ranta in Arizona. Like it's yeah, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, maybe like a a Florida, Arizona, like, retirement home type thing? Maybe. It, I don't know, but, like, Florida's gotten Drager. Like, I don't see him going to New Jersey. Like, that's kind of been their rival for however long. Like, you don't want to go to New Jersey and just get shellacked every game by the Rangers and Islanders. I don't I don't see any, yeah, I don't we'll see see. any possible series. Maybe, maybe, maybe Minnesota. Plays, maybe, honestly, like, maybe Minnesota. I, I mean, winter yeah. sucks there, but whatever. That could that could that could work out for him. Okay, Pooley Yarvi, a lot of rumors. He's signing in Edmonton. Why has this not happened already? What is going through this kid's mind that makes him think, I want to be a scoring winger in the NHL and I don't want to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? It makes no sense to me. And I don't know why this is so like why this is still being dragged out. Like is is there some serious issues with this kid where he's an absolute basket case? Or did did he just have the worst experience in the world in Edmonton? Because he's still, you know, he's still a high end prospect. He still has goal scoring capabilities. I just don't see where the issue is. I don't see how the Oilers 
can be that bad of an organization where this kid is not going to sign here. Yeah, I, I don't really understand it either. And like the the coach is different, the GM's different. Um, it's just different. And clearly, he felt that the old group soured him too much. And but at the end of the day, uh, if he wants to look in the mirror and maybe he he's doing this, just giving these probably going to come back to Edmonton is if he looks in the mirror he goes I played in the NHL I had my chance in the NHL and I got sent down to the minors right like it's it's not like he was lighting up the NHL and then Edmonton's like ah maybe we'll just send you down to the minors just to to develop you a little more it's he wasn't ready for the NHL so you have to go to the minors and that's on it's you can say it's on the coaches all you want and maybe if he's only getting eight or nine minutes of ice time but like there's been guys who get eight or nine minutes of ice time and they move up in the lineup because they do well with those eight or nine minutes. And clearly he didn't or else he wouldn't be in this situation. But I mean, if Edmonton can get him at 900 grand or a million or whatever the number is going to be, that's hopefully a good top nine winger you need on the cheap, which is what pretty much fits their bill. Exactly. Like, from my perspective, like I think he's an easy replacement for Athanasiu. I think he's a replacement for Anis. You know, like the a cheaper chase on probably if he decides to move on there. Exactly, like the it just doesn't make sense to me why he hasn't signed, why this hasn't worked out, and I don't know, is it agent issues? Like his agency, I believe, just like kind of merged with McDavid's. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm so confused on this situation. Um, one more before we get to commercial here. Sounds like the Jets are taking calls on Patrick Liney and Philly and Columbus are the two teams that have been, uh, you know, getting on the phone talking about him. Do you think Winnipeg's ready to move on from Patrick Liney? Like, do you, like, I mean, obviously he'd be a great fit in Philly where they could use someone who can shoot the puck. Columbus, I don't see it working out like him playing for torts, but... Like, what are the Jets doing if they're going to start moving some of these young pieces? Because I don't know what you're going to get back other than draft like picks. A, a Travis Seinheim, Patrick Lyon, a swap could maybe make sense. Seinheim's from Manitoba, but yeah, I, I think Winnipeg would obviously be strongly considering moving on from Lyon. Like, it just hasn't, I'm not going to say it hasn't worked, but like, there seems to be too much smoke there where he's not happy that he's not playing with Shifley and Wheeler and then he gets a bridge contract and then he he like what do you what do you have like 18 goals at one November and then 13 the rest of the year like <laughs> yeah and like I I get it for him like you're a scoring winger you want to play with the best centerman and there's a very big drop off in Winnipeg going from Mark Shifley to Andrew Copper whoever the second line center was and the two years prior to this, they traded for Paul Stasty and Kevin Hayes. So, I mean, I can see why, but Winnipeg's a team that they have a, a bunch of good wingers like Ehlers, Connor, Blake Wheeler, Jack Rosovic, Line A, but I think they're strongest on the wing and weakest up the middle and on the blue line. And if you trade a winger, you're hoping hoping to get like a good second line center or a good uh, good top four defenseman. So. Again, like, what's more valuable, a second-line center or a top-six winger? Probably the centerman. So I can see it. The Philly thing could make sense. Uh, the Columbus thing obviously doesn't. Uh, Carolina, too, but... 
But with Columbus, they got that Yarmo Kekalainen in charge. Finish, finish. I mean, Kekalainen got to see him grow up, play with Puliyarvi World Juniors, Aho. Like, there, there's, there's some connection in there. The Torts thing, totally understand. I, don't I got think Columbus has like their resources because they're not trading Jones or Orensky, and then it's like, okay, they want to. And Columbus doesn't really have draft picks from their all their trades for Duchesne and stuff, and then. It was just, like, what defenseman are you getting, Ryan Murray? Like, that doesn't really move the needle. No, that's fair. I, I you know, obviously that's a little bit of a deeper dive. we got to get to commercial break, but i got to throw this out there, Adam. Mr. One Petrie, too. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's let's push this back. we got to talk Jeff Petrie. Four years, 6.25. Congrats. How are you? Get paid. Cash that and ticket. Like, is that not a pretty good deal for what he brings to that team? He's one of the more underrated defensemen. And when you look at others who are making around that $6 million range, like Petrie seems like a, a pretty decent deal. Like, I mean, he can do it all. He can provide some offense. He's great defensively. He's a pretty mobile guy. He can move around. And I bet you the Edmonton Oilers would love to have him on their damn team. Yeah, it's, it's a great deal. And I mean, you look at... Last year, uh, player A had 13 goals and 28 assists for 41 points. Player B had 13 goals and 33 assists for 46 points. Player A is Alex Petrangelo, who's going to get a seven or eight year deal at what nine or ten million a year, and Jeff Petrie just signed for four years at 6.25. So, I think it's a great deal for him, and it's a great deal for uh, for Montreal. Also, like he was arguably their best or second best defenseman this year with him and Weber and he was better than Weber this year I mean yeah so I think Montreal's quietly rounded out a nice top four or five here with Weber and Petrie on the right side and then Sherrod who's a very underrated player and uh Joel Edmondson who can be like your number four or five guy so on the back end this this looks really good for Montreal exactly no you are dead on there I just got to, you know, this This is credit to Luke Fox, Sportsnet. Ottawa's projected cap hits the NHL lowest, $42 million before buying out Bobby Ryan. Will be interesting to see how they reach the floor this year. That's a joke. Like, I get it, you don't want to implement a minimum spending, but that is pathetic. Anyone else we missed? I mean, we've just been flying through trade talk. I haven't been checking off anything on my notes here. Was there anyone uh, that you wanted to talk about? Not yet, but I think things are going to be firing up pretty quickly here. Yeah, I mean, we got buyout period, we got draft coming up, we got free agency. It's going to be great. Hey, we're going to talk game four and five, though. Stanley Cup, it's a big one, though, because, I mean, this is this is back-to-backs, this is momentum. And, yes, we are going to break all of that down. It's Cody Jans and Adam Ermintrout with you here. World Hockey Report Live coming to you, 12-Ounce Sports, Zingo TV, Channel 761. We're going to be back after the break. We'll talk report live. Cody Jansen with you here on 12 Ounce Sports Zingo TV, channel 761. Boy, it's Friday afternoon. Feeling it. We got game four of the Stanley Cup Finals in September. They don't even have to compete with NFL today and tomorrow. The schedule just worked out perfectly in the NHL's favor. We got stars. We got Bolts, Game 4, coming up a couple hours' time. Hey, of course, if you want to keep your drinks cold while watching the game, 2D Wrap. 
It's got to be your go-to. Time to ditch that traditional koozie. Tooting Wrap is the ultimate universal drink insulator. Fits any beverage, hot or cold. Made in Canada. Tooting Wrap. Made with high-grade military neoprene. Highest quality product possible. Strong and durable. Tooting Wrap keeps your drink hot or cold for hours on end. Check them out today. Tootingwrap.com. That's T-U-D-I-Wrap.com for the best drink accessory in the game. Adam, we got games four and five tonight. Or yeah. game four tonight, game five tomorrow. I mean, what what a weekend. What a way to start. I know, and I guess first, like we, we haven't really touched on those awards yet. Like oh. it was a, like we were saying it's like a weird it was a weird show. Like they were announcing like the Jack Adams like three weeks ago and then they're just waiting to do do these ones and I mean, I don't know, it wasn't really much of a show, it was like Scott Oak standing and like <laughs> in an empty arena like i didn't i didn't really watch it it was just i turned it on it's like yeah i can just find out through twitter like it's not like you really need much and mark messier seems to have a stamp on everything the nhl does for some reason uh but it weird like i get not really any surprises like the calder could have gone either way the dry settle winning the heart and Lindsay was pretty obvious but like some of the votes and like they, they make the votes public but like who the hell, as you said, is giving Adam Fox a first place vote? Actually, I know it's Murray Attis or whatever. I think he's an athletic Jets guy. But and then, like, who in their right mind voted Zidane Chara and True Doughty as like fifth place votes for the Norris? Like Zidane Chara had 14 points this year, and like, it's not about points, but like, you could find 45 other defensemen ahead of him. And honestly, people are saying Drew Doughty is horrible this year. Like, Here, Here's who I, votes for them. It's podcast hosts who want him to come on their show. Here's a fifth place vote. Do me a solid this summer. Yeah, like it's some fan, fan boys. And like, I, it's like funny how offended people get. Like, it's like they're, the guy off their team doesn't win. It's like, look, like you, you work for covering the team. You don't get work for being a fan of the team or anything like that. Like, just pick pick whoever you want like or pick whoever you think is the best stop worrying about him giving you a good interview answer like and a lot of the time like these guys know if they're worthy of a vote or not right oh exactly like i don't think that they don't drew doughty are making cases to their parents tonight that they should have been norris like winners i and drew I, doughty would probably be the first person to say he had a horrible season yeah exactly also i don't know why, why do they even have five like what's the point system at this point like you should just get like a top two, pretty much. Like if you're not top two, what's the point? I can't imagine there's ever been a tie. Like it's pretty clear Leon Draisaitl was the best player in the NHL this season, and the the only award that matters is the one that really proves our point in that the players voted him as the best player in the NHL. Like shouldn't that say enough? Like if the players are the ones going, hey, we had to play against this guy. He was the best player in the NHL. There's no question about it. They all yeah. saw what he did with that Oilers team when McDavid was out. NHL players know what he was working with, and they know what he can do. So I don't know. Why are we even letting writers vote on it? And I mean, yeah. It's... Well, that's why like, the best is good, too, because I think that one is the one the GMs pick. Okay, it very well could be. Honestly, I'm not as informed on this stuff as I should be. It just doesn't make sense to me. Honestly, let the players pick every award. I would be, I would put way more weight on these awards if the NHL players picked every award. I don't care if it's Vesna, you know, yeah. the Hart, whatever. Or like for the for the Jack Adams, like maybe have pro scouts or like assistant coaches vote for the Jack Adams, like that. Like so, like 
because they actually know like a guy sitting up in the press box covering. The I think team, I think GMs. Like, oh, they have a nice one three one. Like I don't think they've ever said that. <laughs> I think GMs would be good for that. Yeah, like some something like that. Just not like media guys who are watching these games on like Sportsnet, like at home. Like <laughs> yeah, they're tra- they're tracking everyone's coursey and shit. Can't stand that. Um, Analytics-wise, though, Steven Stamkos, we can probably just hand him the con Smythe if you ask about half a dozen hockey reporters who don't watch the game and just go off his statistics. But let's, for 60. <laughs> let's move along. Game four, though, tonight. Adam, give me two takeaways or two keys to tonight's game. Uh, well, I think for Dallas, like scoring first is obvious, but... Like, them getting off to a good start hasn't happened for since game one. And even then, like, they, they almost pissed that one away. But Dallas, like, getting off to a good start and, like, Jamie Benn throwing a hit or something, that would be that'd be huge. And for Tampa, I think they need to to manage that Stamkos isn't, isn't playing because they got a pretty big boost from that. Uh, but I think Tampa has to realize that there's, there's a back-to-back and, like, they could win the Cup literally tomorrow night. Uh, but they have to look past that, I think, or look ahead of that, whatever. I agree. I think for Tampa Bay, them, them coming out is going to be huge. And, you know, you, you can't be getting out shot 2-1 to one in the first period because I don't think Haskin makes that mistake twice in a series. And I don't think Lindell makes that mistake twice in a series. you got to imagine who Dobin's going to be dialed in. If not, it's over. But, you know, for Dallas, their their big gun's got to shine. No one is going to be talking about Tyler Sagan's mediocre season and terrible playoffs if he gets a hat trick in the play, in the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, if, if that happens, everything is washed away and Sagan's back, baby. Jamie Benn, you're not scoring from the penalty box. You're not making any difference from there. It's time to step it up, play big boy hockey. The D-men have to start getting more pucks through. And I, I think it's kind of, you know, if Dallas wants a chance, their leaders got to be leaders. That's uh, that. That's really what it comes down to. Is there a team that scores greasy goals, and they just get it done the ugly, ugly way? Whereas Tampa, they'll beat you with pretty goals. If you want to play that style, good luck. Hudobin ain't stopping any of that side to side stuff, and you got to stay out of the box. I mean, you, you can't take all those penalties. Dallas's penalty kill is not bad. It's not good enough to kill off five or six penalties a game against Tampa Bay. Not at all. Alrighty, that's gonna do it. That's a good show. That's uh, a- anything else we missed. I guess we missed the whole KHL thing. I did have that written down in my notes, Adam. Did you see? They've got like 123 players that have tested positive for COVID this season. Yeah, and uh, like I heard a, a story the other day from Frank Corrado. He was saying that like he had a buddy that played over there, and that they like literally how they're handling COVID in the dressing room is like the guy will get it and they'll put like an X with tape over his stall. And like, that's, that's what it is. And like he was saying, he's getting Snapchats from his buddy, just like, Oh, another one bites the dust type thing. Like just like, they're not even like, to like, honestly, I think outside of Canada and you see that there's like fans at NFL games and all this shit. Like, like, it, I don't even know if like they think like the virus still exists outside of Canada and Toronto shutting things back down tonight. I like Europe is a little different, but I mean, Russia, like the KHL, as long as those guys are getting their money, like, I don't think they, they care, honestly. That's the biggest thing. I think, like, the K, like what's Russia without hockey? It's nothing. It's just, like, another, like, 
communist country essentially like they don't have hockey they got nothing so like they need yeah. they need hockey going they need fans because they need that revenue and like like Scott St. Petersburg's average age was like 21 the other night maybe, maybe it was like 24 it was something stupid but still like I don't know it's, it's such a joke and then like you even see like the Czech Republic I got a buddies that are playing over there and like everything shut down but then you like see videos and they're all like drinking out of the same tap like farm animals it's wild it's like it's like it's the 1920s and you're like well no wonder COVID's spreading I don't know it's just insane some of the stuff over there yeah no I I agree like it's it's crazy how they just I don't know it's I really don't know like what their protocol is. I don't even know if they have one. No, I don't think they have one. Adam, are you still golfing? We haven't talked golf in a while, so we got like two minutes. Like, are you still getting out now that you're uh, busy back on the books? Yeah, usually just like nine or twelve holes. Just like after, like usually we can only get on after like three or four, so it's only dark, like light enough for nine or twelve. But Twilight it's dark. honestly, yeah, it's honestly like perfect golf weather right now. Like it's like fifteen kind of cold but like not too cold to play and looks all nice with the leaves and stuff other than the courses are a little bit rough at, around this what's your best what's your best nine so far this year then if you're just golfing evenings uh the other day i think i was a uh, five over so a 42 okay that's not bad it's you know tough it was a bad start but like part out after five Tough courses in Stoon too. I was uh, I shot yeah. a I shot a thirty nine at Whitetail here. That's my best round of the year. Uh, Northern Bear was tough. That was there, there's some unreal courses up here, but yeah, it's yeah. especially once course, you get to this time of year too. The, like the greens are weird. Yeah, the course I play at, like there's a stretch like three, four, and five where three is like a four hundred forty yard par three, four is a three hundred eighty yard par or no. 440 yard par four and then like a 380 yard par four with a bunch of water and an elevated green and then five's like a 215 yard par three so it's like like if you're you get out of there like one or two over you're happy with it yeah no kidding i mean those those 200 plus par threes get me because like i'll be using like, like a, a th- hybrid or a wood well I'll, I'll try go with like a three iron and i'm just gonna try roll it up like i'm gonna try stripe it good and like it's always gonna end up veering off if i'm hitting it 220 like the, I, I don't know. I just don't have it figured out. Alrighty, buddy. No, that was great. Great show on Friday. Appreciate all the insight. As always, Adam Ermchuk. Go follow him on, on Twitter. A Ermin Trout right there. That's going to do it. Game four prediction, Adam. Hit me with it. What's happening? Uh, I'll go Dallas 3-1. Dallas 3-1. Oh, man. I was, I was thinking 4-2. And, yeah, I'll, I'll go Dallas 4-2. I'll stick with it. Our conversations have me thinking twice. I'll stick with it. Dallas 4-2. That's going to do it. World Hockey Report Live. We're going to be back here on Monday. Great guest lined up. Eddie Lack, Ron Duguay. Yes, we got two NHLers on Monday, and we're going to be recapping. Will we be talking about Tampa lifting the cup? I don't know. I don't think so. We're going to talk then. Until then, peace out. Be kind. Be better. Be better.